Namaste, yogis, and welcome to Yoga Podcast. It's me, Breezy Bree, and you are listening to the weekly yoga Q&A. To submit your question, please visit my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out today's show notes for a link, and don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date with everything that is happening on Yoga Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Let's jump Jump into this week's question. Namaste. Hey, yogis, find a new feature at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out today's show notes for a link to where you can find over a hundred free audio yoga classes. Simply pick your class, press play, and I will meet you on the mat. Namaste. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Yoga Q&A. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Have you ever heard that saying, those who cannot do, teach? Well, I was recently asked a question about my thoughts on doing yoga versus teaching yoga. Well, I have to say the saying absolutely does not apply to the concepts of yoga when we think about doing versus teaching. However, before we talk about my thoughts on yoga, I wanted to just think about this in general. So I've been a cheerleading and gymnastics coach, a dance teacher, and I've taught in other disciplines. And I absolutely think that you can be a magnificent teacher of something without having ever done that Thing at its most advanced level. So I do think that there is a difference between practicing something, doing something yourself, and actually being able to teach it. Now, I also equally believe that it is really helpful if you understand some of the challenges or best practices or tips and tricks from experiencing that thing yourself prior to trying to teach it to someone else. But I actually heard from one of my mentors years ago tell me that the best way to know if you have mastered something, or at least you're on the journey to mastering something, is if you can indeed explain and teach it to someone else. So I actually think that's a good litmus test if you are starting to embark on any type of skill that you want to teach to others, maybe just learning those basic foundational points for yourself that you can pass on. However, I have absolutely taught really challenging things that I cannot do myself. There are yoga poses that I feel very comfortable with guiding and teaching a student through. So as long as they have body awareness and I feel really comfortable with what it is that we're trying to do together, as well as especially as well as when I was teaching gymnastics and cheerleading, it is extremely common to teach things that you either no longer can do, maybe have never done, or if you have, it wasn't something that you necessarily were really great at, right? But you understand all the angles to be able to do it yourself. Some of the best coaches have never even played in some of the positions or any of the positions that they teach in sports, right? So there's definitely 
an concept of being able to understand the skill that you're trying to teach, but more importantly, to understand humans. You know, if you can coach someone through their fears, through their insecurities, through their own self-challenging moments, then it is much easier to train them to do a skill, right? And you can begin to understand whatever discipline you're teaching in, whatever it is that you're trying to encourage your student, rather it's reading or it's a sport or something physical or something mental, that there is definitely a way to organize thoughts so that most people can be able to pick up a concept. But if that person doesn't believe in themselves, then that's actually the biggest challenge, I believe, for a teacher or a coach or anybody who's trying to help someone along their journey. So what are my thoughts when it's in regards to actually yoga? Now, before I really delve deeper into this question, I do want to say that I've met magnificent practitioners of disciplines, rather it's guitar playing or piano or gymnastics or even yoga, and they are not able to teach someone else that thing. So I do not think that you have to know how to teach. I do not think that you... You know, it takes away from your skill or your talent if you're unable to guide someone else through it. You know, patience as a teacher is probably one of the top five things that you need to have as a teacher or coach. And patience is not something that everybody understands or even is good at. So let's now talk about the idea of doing versus teaching when we're talking about yoga. So I want to make an assumption here that the person who asked me this question is maybe considering being a yoga teacher. I actually am not sure. This was a question that I received um, via email and I haven't had a chance to have dialogue with this person yet. Although I responded, um, since it's yoga Q&A, I thought I would just go ahead and talk about it on the podcast. Usually I have a little bit of back and forth when um, I have questions so that I could really answer that person's particular question, especially if it's just one person who's asked me something like this. I wanted to make it a little bit more personal. But anyway, I'm going to make this general assumption that this person's considering teaching or is a teacher and is trying to maybe create some sort of balance or wants to make sure they can. Or in a lot of cases, yoga teachers are really hesitant or apprehensive about teaching disciplines that they are not really super familiar with themselves and their own body. So in my opinion, what does it feel like to practice versus teach? Well, I can tell you that first and foremost, I absolutely love teaching. I love teaching yoga. I love teaching dance. I love coaching. I think I'm naturally very um, connected to students, to someone who's eager to learn. I'm eager to share. I mean, hello, yoga podcast by Breezy Bree. So I definitely love sharing knowledge. It's probably something that I consider to be my gift to the world. And I have a lot of patience. Sometimes I think I have too much patience. Um, and I'm very disciplined in teaching and in learning as a student myself. 
I also have a thirst for knowledge as a student of life. And so I try to remember what it feels like when you're just embarking on something new. And part of being skillful as a teacher, in my opinion, is keeping yourself new to other things so that you can always remember what it feels like to be confused, lost, nervous, fearful, all of that. If you find yourself you know, skipping all the most elementary steps that brand new students need in anything. It doesn't matter what age they are, what background they have. This person can be a scientist in one field and a novice in another. You have to, as the teacher, stay connected to what it feels like to be brand new to a subject. And so I think the biggest challenge that teachers tend to find themselves in anytime they're coaching or teaching somebody is they start to skip some of those basic steps because they forget how important they were. You know, when you've done something a lot, you do not need all the easy steps to get you there. It's not like an Ikea bookshelf anymore. (laughs) But seriously, you do not necessarily even remember all the steps that it takes to get to like a higher level. So you just skip right over them, right? And that is not true for students. Students still need that refresher. And to be quite frank, one of the things that I love about teaching, maybe more than, well, I don't want to say more than the student learning because that would be weird. But second to my student learning something new and just being able to see that, you know, sense of self and accomplishment that they have. Because really, um, teaching someone is only part of it. They have to be willing to learn and open to learn as well. So they do all of the work. You're just guiding even them through that process. But one of the things that I love second to the student learning is me learning through teaching. When I was a child, I was in English as a second language until I was about, I don't know, I guess what would be considered like secondary school or middle school, right? So I remember in order for me to learn reading and comprehension and things that were really challenging for me at the time, I would just pretend I'm sharing some of my deepest, darkest secrets here. I would literally do my homework pretending that I was teaching a class my homework. So I had a very challenging time learning by just um, studying, like just straight up studying, highlighting, taking notes, you know, things that I became very good at later in life. But As a child, it was very challenging for me to learn that way. I had to kind of learn in third person. So I would just create these mock classrooms with all my dollies and I would have a chalkboard or something similar. And I would literally do my homework by pretending I was teaching my dollies. And um, I started, you know, as I got older, like I got to high school, I was no longer teaching invisible people, but I would actually read my homework aloud and record it and then just play it back to myself, you know, when I was doing other things. So like if I was cleaning my room or making my bed or whatever it was, painting my nails, I would just listen to myself reading the, you know, history lesson or the math equation or whatever. And so it 
figures that I have a podcast um, that is audio or audible because I am, that's one of the sensories that I use to learn. So this just is a nice little segue into the next part of this whole teaching versus doing. When you are teaching, you have to understand that your students have different ways of learning and you have to be able to teach pretty much the same thing, not necessarily the elementary stuff of the particular lesson. So if you're teaching yoga and you're teaching body awareness, maybe you can just talk about body awareness with a few little, um, I think, like verbal cues and some uh, actually one-on-one cues or what am I trying to say here? Cueing in a way that is visual. There we go. Visual cues. <laughs> but you can teach something very basic with just a couple of cues. But as you are progressing, as you're really trying to teach your students, you know, spinal connection or hip opening or breathing techniques or bandhas, things like that, you have to start to touch on everything visual. You have to get them to practice something themselves, like so them do it as well. And then um, audible cues. And so you have to kind of figure out throughout an entire lesson or studio class or whatever you want to call your session, as you're teaching a student something, you have to throughout that time, make sure you've touched on the most important parts of whatever it is that you're trying to get them to understand, maybe not just subconsciously, but completely consciously understand. Because remember, we're learning things, we're picking up things like sponges all the time. And it just lives in our subconscious. And we're not always aware that we just learn something new until maybe it becomes repetitive or until we notice that we're doing something that we've learned and we're like, whoa, you know, I know how to do that. Versus having to learn something and be really consciously aware that you're learning it. And there's this need to be able to hear it, to see it done, and to do it yourself, right? And so when I'm teaching, I try to make it really um, my mission to make sure I'm appealing to all the different sensories of learning, so all the senses, and I'm also trying to make sure that there's some sort of, I think, comprehension happening with the student. So if I've taught like a yoga 101 workshop, I've probably taught a dozen really important concepts in about an hour and a half. But out of those dozen really important concepts, I try to narrow it down to two takeaways that I drilled throughout the entire workshop. So maybe I'm talking about downward facing dog. Maybe I'm talking about um, balancing on one leg or breathing or something like that. But my two concepts throughout is trusting your body and lengthening your spine. So everything that we are learning is still coming back to those two things, perhaps, or breathing, following your breath or what, whatever, bandhas if I'm teaching a special workshop where I'm wanting that to be the focus. So the same thing is true when you're teaching anything, right? You're teaching a child 
their ABCs. You know, you want to make sure that you keep drilling the point that there's some sort of sequential way of learning this so that this can translate over into written language, right? So I said all of that. So let's talk about practicing or doing yoga and how it's really actually different from teaching. Now, when I practice yoga, my main goal is whatever my intention is for that practice. So for instance, I have stress in my right shoulder anytime I'm kind of, you know, going through a lot, I start to get a really tight shoulder. So I might practice yoga and my whole goal is to loosen that shoulder. So that is what I'm thinking about. Or I may really be focused on moving meditation or I really may be focused on crow and everything I'm doing is leading up to balancing on my hands or I really want to stick my handstand today, whatever it may be. And the difference between doing something and teaching it is that I'm working with my body, my mental state, and my history. So I've always been athletic. So I have a sense of knowing what my limits are. I have a lot of body awareness. And I've dealt with all the trauma that used to hang out in my body. So it's no longer hindering me from really being able to practice. When I'm teaching yoga, I have absolutely no idea what the person's truly thinking. All I, all I can do is make some assumptions and try to ease their mind without them necessarily divulging any of it to me, right? I also have to take into account their frame, their physical, their body, any injuries or stress or anything that they may have told me about and may have not told me about. I may be describing how my body gets into crow, but maybe their body doesn't exactly work that exact way. So we're going to have to look for modifications and variations. So how does doing something help you when you're teaching it in yoga? Well, in yoga, it's extremely important to have a personal practice, not only because you need to keep your mental health, because anytime you're teaching a modality such as yoga, which can be a very beautiful healing modality, it's also very taxing on you. You know, you're giving a lot of yourself and you're sharing space with someone else or entire studio full or entire class. So you want to make sure that you have some self-care and practicing yourself is a part of that. Also, you want to understand from your perspective what seems to feel right in a sequence and what seems to not be jiving. And as you try that out in front of others, you also want to take into account how they're receiving that information and make adjustments based on them. So if you're really flexible, you are probably not going to understand what it feels like to not be really flexible, period. You just cannot identify with that. You can be consciously aware of that challenge that someone else may be having, but you may not know what it feels like. If you're not an avid runner, but you're teaching yoga to runners and you have a really challenging time understanding why child's pose is not comfortable because their hamstrings and their quadriceps are just too tight, 
Well, then you might see that they're grimacing. You might see that they're uncomfortable and you might be able to still help, but you won't have that personal experience. And at the end of the day, that is okay. So as long as you can translate different experiences, right? An OB, you know, an obstetrician does not need to have ever given birth to be able to deliver a baby. A male can be a gynecologist, right? Without a vagina. (laughs) So you definitely do not need to have the personal awareness and experience, but you do need to be able to identify with others from an empathic way or be very empathetic to what other people experience. You also need to be able to have compassion, even if something seems very doable to you, something as simple as sitting in easy pose may not feel good for someone else. And you have to understand verbal cues, facial expressions, nonverbal expressions, which is 98% of our expressions. You have to be aware. You cannot be in your own little world. So When you're practicing yoga, you're really encouraged to go internal. You're really encouraged not to focus on everything that's happening around you. You know, you're on your mat. You are focusing on your practice. But when you're teaching, you need to be really external. You're not practicing with your students the same way that you're practicing for yourself. You have to be aware of some of the challenges and some of the common challenges by wisdom and experience and training. So if it's normal for most people to have a challenge in headstand, then you will treat most people as if they're going to have that challenge until otherwise proven that they won't instead of the other way around, just assuming that everybody can do it until they can't. So one of the things that I learned when I was teaching gymnastics or cheerleading or coaching was that I always needed to make the assumption that you can do it, especially when I was working with children, for instance. I needed to make the assumption that you can probably do it. You're just scared. So we just need to get you to be brave and you're most likely able to get into whatever the pose is because children just typically are more likely to be able to do something than not. And as you teach a discipline like yoga, especially to adults, you need to make the opposite assumption that there's going to be some difficulties and challenges and that you're going to need to have variations and modifications for them, which is why in yoga you should always teach from the most basic part of the pose to the most advanced part if you're progressing in like an all levels class. So you never start in handstand and then go, okay, if you cannot do handstand, then maybe you'll consider doing handstand against the wall or maybe you'll consider doing headstand or maybe you'll consider just doing downward facing dog and taking the inversion. No, you always start with downward facing dog and tell them that they're in the inversion and if they want to take it further, then here are the next steps, right? So that people can choose to stay where they're at instead of coming down into where they really should be. So you learn that stuff teaching and not necessarily practicing, but you do need to continue practicing, especially in yoga, to be a more compassionate teacher. And the most most of that is just from the self-love and compassion that you offer yourself that you can share with your students more than trying to teach them an arm balance that you cannot do, but you can very well coach them into doing if their body and mind are connected to do so.
So I don't know if I answered the question exactly, but I definitely wanted to stir up the conversation. And I know I talked about a lot, but please do realize that this applies to yoga, but it applies to life in so many different ways. And if you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but if you are, you definitely know that this this applies to that as well. This applies to anybody who is needing to do something and also needing to help somebody else do that same thing. It's not always going to mirror itself exactly. You might very well be able to teach somebody to do something way better than you can do yourself. And to be quite frank, I think sometimes that's even more beautiful. Getting someone to do something that you yourself cannot do for whatever reason, you might be too frail or injured or just never could do it. And that is okay. You know, there's always a step to get to the next step. And if you can learn that and have patience and compassion for people and their limitations and understand that most of being a teacher is about allowing the student to take their time to achieve their goals and when you are the student to have that same exact compassion for yourself all right yogis thank you for listening go in peace namaste I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste. Namaste.